Hello, my name is Samuel George London, and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book artist and very nice chap, Stuart Kenneth Moore, about what comics he would take into a zombie outbreak apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene. To support their work, you can become a friend of Comic Scene for just £20 a year. When you become a friend, you get access to premium content on the website, including Comic Scene Weekly, Newsstand Comics, Retro Comics, Comic Shop of the Week, and free comic downloads. To find out more, visit comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Stuart Kenneth Moore. How's it going? Hi, how are you doing? Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure and an honour um, to, to have you on the show. Um, and uh, great that uh, that Tony uh, was able to put us together for uh, for this uh, I Love Comics event. Excellent. I'm really chuffed myself. It's nice to it's nice to um, take part, and uh, thank you for having me. Excellent. Uh, how's your day been? Uh, yeah, the day was a bit crazy because I started, um, I have a couple of pages to finish on my, on my, my, my second volume of my book, MK Ultra. Um, and, uh, but then I saw that thing about, um, uh, you know, Art Spiegelman's book, Mouse. And I just, yes. I just kind of got really upset about it and did a wee sketch and sent it out and stuff. Yeah. But, um, so it kind of disrupted things for me. I, I just, I don't understand any of that, but I don't want to talk about that really right now. No. Maybe pick up on that later, but yeah, the day's been a bit. Yeah, weird, we yeah. will. Yeah, <laughs> that's so strange, and and particularly like with it with it being um, the Holocaust Memorial Day. Oh yeah, isn't it today? It's just so as well. absolutely aggravating. Um, yeah, I got I got quite uh, quite angry in a way, you know, just the idea mm-hmm. of it, and then I, I I thought, oh, this has got to be an old article. There's no way this is. Yeah. There's no way this yeah. is memorial. You know, Holocaust Memorial Day. And this happened yesterday, but apparently, I think it did. It happened like either yesterday or the day before. So it seems almost um, by design, and that's very aggravating. Yeah. That's really angering, isn't it? Yeah. Even more so, even more so. But yeah, as you say, we'll we'll get into that later, sure. Um, for sure. We'll deep dive into that. Okay. Um, but uh, for for anybody that hasn't come across your work just yet, and there'll be very few of those. Uh, but what do you do in the world of comics? Okay. Um. So. Uh, I just did the 2018 encyclopedia cover uh, that's coming out in about a month or two, and that's um, that features all the 2080 characters. So I do I work for 2080 on covers mostly at the moment. Do a couple of strips for them. Um, I work for well, I work on my book that's being published by Clover Press, which is Project MK Ultra: Sex, Drugs, and the CIA which is a book that basically talks about something that a lot of people don't seem to know about, but that is, you know, yes. uh, an interesting period in Cold War history where the CIA bought up the entire global stock of LSD in order to test it <laughs> on, on people to find a, a truth drug and to create Manchurian candidates, the perfect assassin, that type of thing. And um, it, the drug went into... Um, it, they gave it to people who, you know, they damaged a lot of people, but they gave it to people who also saw a creative side in it, like Ken Casey mm. and the guys who informed the band The Grateful Dead. And so they all kind of, you know, the drug kind of proliferated 
And so basically the CIA may be responsible for kicking off much of what, you know, uh, the counterculture that came out of uh, Southern California in the 60s. And yeah. uh, it's quite mind-blowing when you think about that. They were trying to control minds. Mm-hmm. And, and and if you yeah. think of what the energy that came out of that, the creative energy and uh, the change that came out of that, it's quite amazing. And then, then Nixon brings in a, a war on drugs, and it's almost like they're trying to tamp down yeah. on what they started, but I don't know. Yeah, totally. Know. Yeah, they created the monster. Yeah, it's it's very hard to... <laughs> To, to look back and say with any certainty because they destroyed all the no. they destroyed as many of the documents uh, of as they course. possibly could you know so yeah and then i mean i've i've read up a bit a bit on mk ultra mm-hmm. um, and for anybody that hasn't come across mk ultra definitely read up on it but also go buy project mk ultra thank you please but, uh, yeah yeah too right um but uh i i, I heard that that there's a a slight speculation that they were to do with the Manson family. Yeah, that's right. Well. Yeah, I didn't believe any of that, and I was very careful. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, I should say uh, the, the this came my way by two writer friends of mine who are uh, based in the states, uh, American guys, mm. and they had written this script for a film, and um, and they basically follow or they use as their impetus uh, a real tragedy in which uh, Frank Olson, who was a CIA chemist, uh, either mm-hmm. committed suicide or was killed. And um, mm. and so they, they started with that as their sort of impetus, and they wrote the script, and they shopped it around, but it didn't get picked up. And when I read it, I said, oh, God, we could make this into a graphic novel. It could be really exciting. And um, so they're really the they're really the guys that wrote this, uh, that wrote this script. Um and um and what they did which was quite wise was they stuck to what we know and uh right. so with regard to manson uh i always dismissed that because i thought it was a, a just yeah. a bit too far fetched but yeah. yeah but i did read um chaos uh and uh, this That's new book, the book from tom o'neill yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah. it's very convincing it's very suggestive yeah. that you know manson didn't go straight to california he went he didn't go straight to los angeles he went to san francisco so he basically mm-hmm. became embroiled in in the very thing that we are talking about in San Francisco. So, um, according to Tom O'Neill's research, it does look like there was some kind of testing going on with the Manson family. They're called yeah. the family. They're a group of hippies. They're called yeah. the family. Yeah, exactly. And um, <laughs> if you see their behaviour in court and stuff, it's it's not surprising to think that there was something wrong with them that had been done to them in the way of um, brainwashing, you know? So I, I now think that's uh, maybe the case. It's wild, isn't it? Yeah. It's crazy that that actually happened. And then when you, yeah, um, inform people that, yeah, no, this is a real thing. It's not just some crazy, no. uh, crazy Hollywood story. It's no, a it, real thing that, that happened. That's right. And um, I wrote to Tom O'Neill to ask him if I could use a quote because he had right. uncovered this quote from one of these uh, researchers in San Francisco, whose name was uh, Julian West. And um, mm. the quote was, I've got my own um, hippie laboratory. And what he was talking about was a sort of um, a hippie den that he was controlling mm. and, and testing subjects in. But it was by all, you know, all intents and purposes, it was a, a hippie, uh, a hippie den. But it was it was That's being wild. it was a research spot, 
So that doesn't pop up in the book, but I wanted to allude to it. So Tom O'Neill gave me permission to use the quote. Oh, that's great. That's yeah, fantastic. Cool. Yeah. That is really cool. That's brilliant. Um, and uh, for, for anybody wanting to find out more, where's where's best to find you online? Um, you can find me um, on Twitter at OPIPOP. That's my handle, OPIPOP. And you can find my website, which is stuartkmoor.com, um, which will take you through to various things that I've done. And... Um, yeah, that's probably the two best places. Uh, you can look on Clover, the the, the publisher's website, Clover Press, um, and uh, as for MK Ultra, it seems to be uh, flying out within two or three days now from Amazon. So uh, great. Yeah, I had a a friend from North Wales, a, a I don't know, a fan. That's probably the wrong word, but. A, chap i know who bought my book <laughs> yeah, uh, he wrote right. back to me and i said oh that's great but how long did it how long did it take to get there and he said it was three days so i thought that was pretty good that's really good yeah yeah no not bad at all so uh, order now folks and in three days time you'll, you'll be able to dive in um <laughs> fantastic uh now this, uh, despite there being uh excellent delivery services <laughs> around the world unfortunately at the same time there's been a zombie outbreak i'm oh, afraid yeah. Stuart. that's the bad news <laughs> um so my my pressing question is what is your action plan for survival now this is the question i wasn't meant to write down right um, this is yes, the one I was yeah, meant yeah. to not, not let me know. I, reveal I later yes hit here off the <laughs> no, off the pop I, let me just refer to my notes because um yeah i think let me see i think it was uh i could wing it i think uh yeah uh the action plan was um to try and get to an island uh because i've yes. never seen any zombies swimming and uh and to to try and get a combine harvester on the island so that if any of them did make okay. it across then i could i could just go around the island on the combine harvester chopping them up yeah, until the blades jam, and 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 literally singing, I got a brand new combo, yeah. <laughs> and I'll give you the key. Yeah. I, you know, I thought, oh, that's a good idea. Maybe somebody's done that, and sure enough, there's some. It's not zombies, but there was some uh, some clip I saw. It was aliens. Somebody had a combine harvester, and I think they were playing. If it was that song, I think it might have been. Oh, probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's. It, I think it's probably the only song that contains a combine harvest. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that would that would make sense. <laughs> but uh, oh, that that's fantastic. So you found yourself an island. That's it. Um, I, I assume you're taking your family with you. Oh yeah, I got my family. Got everybody I need. Excellent. Um, and uh, I got a telescope. Right. I've got my cat. Yes. Because we need a mouser. You never know. And uh, yeah, and uh, and I've got a combine harvester parked at the periphery of the island and I'm just watching, just waiting. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) And whilst you're on your stakeout, um, you, uh, you, you stumble into a conversation about the good old days when, you know, um, life was, was normal and you were creating comics and things, um, with your family. Um, and the first question they ask you is what's the first comic you remember enjoying? Well, I probably would say, uh, the original Batman run, I'm not that old. I'm not 90 years old or something, but <laughs> when I was a wee boy, my dad worked at a courier service in Los Angeles and a box arrived and it was broken. And so it sat in the office for 
month. They hoped that somebody would come and collect it. There was no, there was no way to forward it on to anybody because they couldn't. They couldn't. There was no label. Uh, it was just a damaged box. And eventually, I think it was months in, and I happened to be there in the summer. Uh, they uh, somebody said, "Oh, to hell with this!" And they opened it up, and and they saw inside there was a box of wax crayons, and they gave it to me to draw with, just on the floor of the depot. And they had a tiny little book. They had a little, like, A5 paperback book. And it was the original Batman from, wow. yeah, the, like, what, 1939 or something like that? Yes, yeah. And uh, so that was really, that really captivated me. I thought that was fantastic. Um, and uh, beyond that, it was uh, Judge Dredd, uh, many years later, reading Judge Dredd. And where, where did you usually pick that up from? The, I was sick. My mum brought me a bunch of comics and a Lucas Aid and something else. And uh, nice. I just read through the comics. And I'd never seen 2000 AD because it was a very patchy delivery service up in north of Scotland where we live. Yeah. And uh, so I'd never seen it. Yeah. And I thought, what is this? And um, at that point, I was a huge Star Wars fan. I think the minute I read Judge Dredd, I was no longer a Star Wars fan. <laughs> and yeah, I a Judge Dredd fan. I was like, Who, what is this? This is nuts. And uh, I loved it. It was so funny and irreverent and uh, uncompromising. And, yeah, I thought that was brilliant. Great fun. And so, obviously, that that kind of really sparked your passion for yeah. comics even further. And so, at that, at that point, were you drawing or did it inspire you yeah, to draw? I'd, yeah, I'd always, been a draw, I'd always been into drawing and stuff, but I never, mm. never had, I, I'd never could see a way to become an artist. I mean, that was not, not available to me in any way. Um, didn't come from that kind of background where that would be an option. Um, mm. But my dad said, you know, you're pretty good at drawing and that, and you like these comics. And he said, what about doing something like that? Be a commercial artist? What about drawing that? And I was reading a Carlos Esquerra story when he said it. And I must yeah. have been about 13 or 12 or 13. And he said, what about doing that? And, and I must have bought the line that, you know, it's all done by robots at 2080 because I, I, right. I was really surprised that people drew this, you know? Yeah. And that that's the moment, and from then on, I just I, I got really serious about drawing, and uh, drew all the time. Fantastic. And then, did you end up going to school for that? Well, you couldn't. Just, there was nowhere near me that you could study illustration, and I didn't get accepted no. to art school to do um, painting or anything like that. So I couldn't. Right. I couldn't get to do it. So I ended up studying graphic design. So I became a basically a graphic designer, um, and. Uh, but was constantly drawing comics. And then uh, I got a placement. You know, you have to do a work experience placement. So mm. I had been up in Orkney and I'd visited uh, Jim Bakey because, um, and, so you know, I just called him up in the phone book because <laughs> the, Or- the Orkney phone book, there's about, you know, it's it's not much more than, it's a very thin pamphlet. And, yeah, I bet. Uh, yeah. So I called him up, very cheeky, called him up and, and, you know, told him I was a fan and everything, and he invited us to the house. So I went to visit him, mm. and um, it was many months later. I'd kept up with him, writing letters, and told him I was doing a placement, and I dreaded going to, like, a graphic design studio, and if you ever needed an artist, if it was something I could do. And, and he said, come on up. So him and Wendy, his wife, were very kind to me, and they, they even put me up, and I stayed there and worked with Jim for the, the, the time that I had. I think it was, like, two weeks or three weeks. Uh probably just two weeks and um no it was magic so i got to work with jim in the in the studio and you know in the morning going out into the cold and 
this beautiful landscape with the island of Hoi across the way. And then he went to this like studio, he had a great studio and all these, you know, pages of 2080. And, uh, and he, he gave me things to do. He tried to get me a credit on Nightbreed, which was the comic he was working wow. on at the time. It was marvelous. He, he really did nice things and really tried to help me. So I've always, uh, always thought back fondly at that, you know, and I've always try, tried to think, you know, if I ever get the opportunity, I'll try and help people as well. That's the right thing to do. Oh, that's fantastic to Except have them. that experience. Oh, amazing experience and um, amazing family, lovely family. And I'm still yeah. kept up with them. And Wendy came out to visit us a couple of years ago. So, oh, really? yeah, still Great. in touch. And um, yeah, and he was really a great man you know in a lot of ways he was a a great example mm. of a man jim bakey i think i remember thinking that when i mm. when i went back down south i remember thinking what a great example of a dad and you know an yeah. artist and a decent man he was he really was it's fantastic and i mean you, you, your own father sounds like he was very encouraging yeah um he was encouraging which, which is yeah no he was he was very encouraging in the art side he was a a jazz drummer, and he had um, he had right. very good art skills himself. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get on too well, but um, right, but yeah, very encouraging in in that respect, you know. Uh, yeah, and um, yeah. So, but uh, but yeah, that that was it. Was a long road though because I started after working with Jim. I realized just how much work comics is. Yeah, and right. I thought, no, I don't know if I can do this, and uh, so I, I I started doing um actually focused on painting, and I get into like I started to focus on you know photorealist style painting, oil painting, yeah. and um I did that for years, and I moved to Eastern Europe, and uh, or rather Central Europe, but mm. many people would have called it Eastern Europe then because it's Prague, it's, yeah. it was behind the behind the Iron Curtain, uh, uh, until eighty nine. So I came out here in what, 93, 94, and um, there wasn't any comics. So I wasn't even tempted. I couldn't even read comics. Right. There was nothing around. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't get them. Wow. And uh, they just didn't have them. And uh, so I just painted for years. And then I guess I thought, well, you know, I should um, I should, I should try and fulfill that thing because it was like a dream, you know. And if you've got like a, an unfulfilled dream, you should try and – I think you should try and – if you can try and try and achieve it, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. So that was that. That's fantastic. Cause <laughs> yeah, no, it does. It does take a tremendous amount of drive. It's great that you had those initial experiences. Um, but then you, you, you still have to push yourself. Yeah. Don't you, even if you're, even if you are talented, Oh yeah. um, you do still have to push yourself and get yourselves into those, uh, into those spaces where the opportunities arise. So when you you moved into oil painting and things like that, then how did you circle back around to comics? Sorry. Um, what happened there? I, 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 I'm trying to think now. See, so in the nineties, I did a comic strip for a newspaper here in Prague called the, uh, the comic strip was called Morris Mule Taxidermist. And it was sort of a surreal cartoon about a guy who, uh, comes out as an expat to Prague and doesn't really understand the mm. culture. So I did that and that kind of scratched the itch a little bit, you know, going back to comics, mm. but it was done very kind of rough and very kind of like underground style. And, and I'd still not done that thing of like doing really sort of what I think of as more stylish, more, 
you know, fully resolved comic book stuff. So the, I guess the itch was scratched there. And then I, I, what happened? I think I started pitching 2008 or something. I did a strip and then pitched it to 2008 and got rejected. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And that was that, you know, and it kept going like that. And uh, any pitches I did, I did, I started working as a cartoonist for Esquire and I did something for Wall Street, I started working for Wall Street Journal. Actually, the Wall Street mm-hmm. Journal stuff was more consistent. I did more for them. So, yeah, that was, I guess I'd always had one foot in illustration and comics was a kind of, uh, kind of a easier, well, it's kind of came to me kind of easy, but it's funny how you forget how to draw a certain way. One of the things I'd done right. in getting into oil painting was I had to undo the drawing style because I had a very cartoonish style, so I had to become more realistic, mm. and so I did a lot of practice on that. But then later on, when I wanted to go back into comics, I found it really hard to get back to those kind of um, more... Um, I still struggle with this, this sort of more... Um, what's the word when you do more simplified forms, suggest things? Rather than yeah. draw them accurately, so mm. so somehow I, I get back into pitching two thousand AD and stuff like that, and then you know I was aware that Pat Mills was looking for an artist for Defoe, and yeah. uh, so and and Pat had seen a couple of my things and he kind of liked them, I guess, and so he was really great. He kind of he sort of I think he put put me forward to 2018 but nothing came of that so a couple of years Uh, passed or a year at least passed before another opportunity came up and then uh when i pitched that time again on something pat was wanting done uh i was accepted so that that was terrific so matt must have liked that submission so No doubt. That's fantastic. And then you've been going strong ever since. Yeah, pretty much. Um, uh, doing a lot of covers and doing other strips and stuff. But yeah, but yeah. The the other thing is that I started MK Ultra back in 2013. I started working on it, and right. yeah, it sounds like ten years, but it's really not. It's it was it had to keep I had to keep putting it down and do other things and right because there's yeah. there was I thought a publisher I thought we'd get a publisher fairly quickly if I did a good job and started knocking yeah. exciting pages but that didn't happen <laughs> so i kept having to put it <laughs> down like, and yeah i kept having to put yeah. it away and do something else and you know so oh yeah no just the the, the on and off projects um your dream project but it's 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 out there now it's out there now. Um, it's found it's found a, ha- a home yeah and uh, thanks yeah. to thanks to ted adams who um right. you know 2008 did a, an interview with me and it's because of that interview that Ted saw my work on Defoe and he really liked it. Right. So he reached out to me and and that was amazing because, you know, that doesn't really happen. So mm. so that was terrific. And um, But unfortunately, we get hit with the whole COVID thing then. And yeah. everything oh. went into hiatus and it didn't look like it was going to happen. I wasn't sure if the, if the comic company would survive, you know. I just didn't. Yeah know what was going on so but here we are it's out now so that's great excellent we made it in the end yeah (laughs) excellent (laughs) now uh heading back to the combine harvester on your stakeout Mm -hmm. um with the with the fam um the next question that crops up is what's the funniest comic that you've read oh the funniest um well uh so I noticed when I wrote those notes down today that they're all about relationships, but uh, 
the the one I really laughed at the most, I think I can say with all honesty, is uh, a strip within Eight Ball by Daniel Clowers, and this strip's called Stu and Lou, and uh, it's about two guys who uh, who talk about potential girlfriends that they see walking along the street. It was this particular episode. I think he did more episodes, but I only really saw this one, and I just fell mm. off my seat laughing at it because mm-hmm. one guy's saying, "What about her?" and then the other guy said. Oh, don't be, don't be ridiculous. You know, she, you could never, you could never uh, approach a woman like that and stuff. And it's very, very funny. And um, so that's the one I would say offhand as a strip. But there's been loads of other things over the years that have made me laugh. And uh, Mad Magazine, for example, very, very funny uh, things that they used to run. I remember uh, on a trip to America, I got my brother bought me a, a big sort of guess it was a special edition of mad and in it there was um there was all these uh advice it was advice on you know on dating and stuff so again it was another one of these relationship things but i found it very funny at the time and uh so yeah those are those are about the funniest things um i can think of uh and then robert crumb and his persistent uh stories about falling in love with and courting bigfoot there's always these I don't know if you know, but Bigfoot, the famous footage of Bigfoot is said to be a woman or rather a female. Oh, really? Yeah, it's said to be a famous food. It's called um, it's called the Patterson footage, I think, and it's um, and it's meant to be a female. People who've looked closely at the footage suggest that it's a female. So it's called Patty, and I think that might be what Crumb's doing because his Bigfoots, they're always women. They're always female Bigfoots. And, ah. and he goes into the woods and he'll like meet one and he like falls in love with her and so he takes her back to the city and he has to disguise her so he buys her special clothes and it's just I found it very funny when I was reading it. So that's <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. It just like I love quirkiness. Oh yeah. And, and things like that. On, you know, on one I'm just thinking about now that is a strip that I, a comic that I used to really like as a student was uh I don't know if you ever saw this, it was called um Electric Soup and it was a Scottish sort of underground comic type thing. Right. And uh, I remember really, really laughing at that. And um, and in it, there was, a, there was a take on the old, the Bruins, and it was called the Greens. Yeah. And it was drawn really well. You could see the artist could draw almost or pretty much the same as the guys who drew the actual Bruins, which were drawn really, really well. And um, it was a mate of mine who said, look, that guy's named Frank Quitely. And I said, all right. And I didn't get it, you know, and he says, quite frankly, it's quite frankly. You know, so that completely went over my head. But that was a great comic. I don't think that's on the go anymore. I think that died a death maybe even 20 years ago, but it was really, really good. Great fun. Fantastic. Yeah, no, um, a lot a lot of those do go by the wayside, don't they, just because they don't necessarily find an audience at the time. That's true. But they come up years later. Um, and then <laughs> get a bit of a cult following. It's true. It it feels when you see comics like that, they, they, you know, they've to me they feel right. You know, they're like almost like subversive material, or it is a very subversive yeah. subversive medium. You know, and um, it's extremely powerful because you can you just grab a pen and you just start drawing a story and pictures yeah. and words. It's it's the most powerful combination of all, and mm-hmm. um. And it's immediate, and anyone with any basic facility to tell a story and draw to any degree can do a comic, and um, and so it's very very powerful. And I think it's uh, I don't think anyone's really well. I think comic people know that, but 
I think it's odd that it's maybe not taken more seriously as a oh maybe it's maybe that's good. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep to ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think I think it is starting to uh, be be taken more seriously, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. So. Um, particularly in in Scotland at, at University of Dundee. Oh yeah, um, with the courses that they do, of course. So um, it's it's. I think it is starting to get there, and I think a lot more. Um, a lot more universities across the country are starting to see the value in it, and that it's it's a possible avenue for art students to yeah. get into. Yeah, I think you know you're absolutely right with uh, Duncan and Jordan. I think that's what the name of the university is or the art school. Yeah, they um, that's great that they do that. You know, because they're they're helping people get like a path to industry and you really don't know what to do. Like there's no mm-hmm. means of, you don't know how to break in. It's really, really odd. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, no, that's that, that, that every university should, um, or every art school should have something like that going because even if yeah. you don't direct people to work in comics, um, working with pictures and words is, it's absolutely fundamental to all aspects mm-hmm. of this, uh, to, you know, art and all on all its forms um uh, you just need to read some of the the more ridiculous fine art stuff that you hear see written down about fine art that you just wish god they whoever wrote that they probably mean well but they you know they shouldn't have written it like that or whatever so it's, it's a good thing if there should be some kind of there probably should be some kind of literary and picture course you know uh just yeah. to, to help people marry up those things because you know, like I say, that's it's like a you know, a lot of people come out of art school going advertising and and so forth. Yeah. And like that's the only avenue, unless you kind of do get picked up as like a fine art, yeah, artist. I didn't um, mean that as a disparaging yeah. remark about fine art at all. I just mean no, that a no, lot of no, people, no. you know, a lot of people, I think they mean very well, and maybe they don't yeah. necessarily come across right when they, yeah. when they try and explain what they're doing, or they do the opposite thing and give no explanation, which. Maybe is mm-hmm. absolutely their intention, but maybe sometimes it's because they just dare not wade into some kind of, you know, just explanation that might that might make them sound wrong, or they might come across wrong somehow. You know, yeah. I don't know. Obviously, I've not. Yeah, done it, is, course, it is difficult. Obviously, I've not done no. a course on podcasts and how to talk <laughs> because <laughs> I'm just like waffling on. I, I surely there's a there's, there must be a university course for podcasting. Now. <laughs> surely, well, surely, because uh, yeah, well, I mean that's the it's the, it's the wild west at the moment. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's definitely becoming more and more serious. So, um, yeah. Surely, podcasting is next on the list <laughs> for 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 avenues for like English students or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> well, no, and and then, um, but Dundee's a great place for that as well because of the you know the heart of comic books in Britain really comes out of Dundee. Uh, yes, there's so much of it anyway, and uh, and you know I think Pat started in Dundee. I think John Wagner. Mm-hmm. I think Alan Grant. I think all those guys started up there. And yeah. uh, the first British comics that I ever read were all from Dundee. Yeah. So it's it's a special place for comics, really. It really is. It's the yeah, uh, it is yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, now changing gears, oh, um, right. what's the saddest comic that you've read? Oh yeah. Um, let me just consult my notes. 
yeah. So, yeah. So one one thing I saw the other day, uh, but I'd seen it before a long time ago, and I was prompted to make a comment on Twitter. Was um, a scene from Charlie's War that you know that Pat Mills had written, and uh, yeah. I won't give it away. But the words in the in the it's only three panels. It's very succinct storytelling. It's just really powerful. And the mm-hmm. words in question, if you know the story, you'll know the panels, um, are my mate Ginger, sir. And uh, that's that's how the, that's how it ends. And it's just one of the saddest things. And uh, again, because it's something that, you know, happened. It's a, that was a terrible, terrible war. But um, yeah, other stories that, like Ma- Mouse, have you, have you read Mouse, Sam? I haven't, I haven't actually read Red Mouse in full, actually. Uh-huh. Um, I do need to sit down at some point to, to, to read well, it Mouse fully. Is Mouse um, is a great, but, uh, it's a great yeah. read. Um, yeah, it's very sad. But it's also got its lighter moments and funnier moments because it charts this yeah. this man, Art Spiegelman's dad, uh, and how he basically got through the war. And, uh, and the great thing about it is he's not a very nice man. And Spiegelman mm-hmm. wrestles with this in the story. How am I going to tell this? You know? How am I going to tell this my dad's story? He's not a nice man, but his roughness is maybe what got him through it. You know, his ruthlessness. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a wonderful story, and it's very topical right now because of you know what happened today. And uh, I I was told by a friend that this is part of a um, seems to be a trend in America right now to among mm. certain like in Texas. He said my friend said something like they brought in a law where um, if you tell people about i haven't looked it up yet but it's something like if you talk about the if you talk about the holocaust you gotta let the other side you know tell their story as well and it's just it's so repulsive right. it's, it's just unbelievable prompting me to say to my pal oh walk small texas because you know their their thing is to walk tall right tall yeah, yeah. walk small texas it's very very yeah it's shameful that's crazy it's utterly shameful isn't it um because yeah so this was a um is it a middle school yes it's a county it's a county school board um yeah and the in tennessee and they've um uh they've taken it off the reading list you can't you can't teach it in schools yeah. teach anything about it in schools and stuff and that's um crazy. yeah and um and that's mouse but uh, another 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 read that's very good and also very sad and uh quite complex is uh persepolis it was a tremendous mm. book and it's about this young girl uh, growing up in in Iran and uh, just at the tail end of the Shah and then the change when the Shah is what deposed or whatever happened to him. And, um, and then how she experiences life, you know, with uh, religious police and all this stuff. It's really remarkable. Persepolis. So I'd recommend that. I'd recommend Persepolis and Mouse and Charlie's War. If, uh, yeah, for sad, upsetting stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and <laughs> you laugh, but it is it's so it's so important, isn't it, yeah. to actually think about these things and have it presented in a story format that fully helps people realise the emotions that somebody that's actually going through those events in their lives, what it what it's like. Yeah, because it it is so. Even in you know an investigative journalist article, you can't get that emotion fully across. That's true, and that's why and that, and that's why we use stories 
to try and show the spectrum of emotions that you go through through a life event yeah. like those things. Um, and sure. uh, yeah, no, it's it, it's so important to to approach all of this. Absolutely, and you're in you're in that child's eyes. You know, you're in that little girl's yeah. eyes, looking at that mm-hmm. that world. And then the same with mouse. You're sort of in both of them in a, in a way are about children's recollections because although Art Spiegelman's an adult when he when he draws and he interviews his father, um, yeah. he starts having these like weekend meetings with his dad to build up the story uh, from his dad's perspective. But it's still the recollections, you know, of a of a child in a way and. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Because he also cut dials back to like his own childhood with his parents and how he didn't understand certain things, and how they kind of become more clear uh, once he knows the story of what his parents went through. And uh, you know, there's one I wish I could remember it, but it's something like he comes home. I think in the first page, his friends abandon him, and he comes home crying. He's on his roller skates, and his dad's fixing something in the garden, and. He says, oh, and he's crying. And the dad says, why are you crying? And he's got this, um, I guess, Polish accent. Why mm. you cry? He says, and he goes, oh, my kid, my friends went and left me. And the, kid, the father comes out with something really horrific. Like, you know, when you're, when your friends are sitting around trying to eat the last, the last of, you know, the last thing that's available, uh, then you know who friends are, you know, whether, whether or not well, gonna share, whether yeah. they're going to share the food or whatever. So the wee boy's just, yeah, right. the wee boy just stops crying and staring at his dad because it's such a dark you know, <laughs> yeah, like, glimpse, whoa. <laughs> a dark glimpse into some past event where maybe they were escaping uh, and, and it was winter and they were trying, they had no food. Shocking, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's so important to remember all of these things and yeah, appreciate our, our lives at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Um, now, um, switching gears a little bit, um, okay. what's the what's the scariest comic that you've read? Oh, um, uh, well, I've read a lot of EC comics. I used to like, I really like EC comics. I like the style of them. I read one a few weeks ago, and I'd never seen it before, but I think it's quite famous, and I think they, I think it's the... Uh, is it the Kinks? No, it's not the Kinks. The Cramps. I think the Cramps did a song about it. But I oh, never, yeah. yeah, I never realised. But I was reading this comic. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. It's, it's like the Cramps lyrics for this. Uh, it's like a a guy goes down to Florida, uh, and he goes in. Uh, he goes around Halloween every year, and he goes to a Halloween party, and he he goes this one year, and he meets this this witch, this woman dressed up as a witch, and uh, she's got like a witch's kind of face and everything, but he kind of falls for her because he thinks it's a, it's a makeup, but <laughs> it's not, you know, and he doesn't find out until the wedding night. Then it's quite a funny, quite a f- you couldn't get away with that kind of comic these days. You just, it was, it's just, you couldn't do it. It just doesn't, you wouldn't want to do it, but, oh, I know the scariest one, Jennifer. That's a really creepy one. Forget who wrote Jennifer, but it's a great story and uh, illustrated by Bernie Wrightson. And it's yeah, about the master. Oh, the master, yeah. It's about a, a guy in the woods. He's walking through the woods and he sees some man attempting to murder a woman and he intervenes and tries to save her. And he does save her, but he accidentally, I think the guy gets killed. The the, the guy who's trying to kill her gets killed. And um, But he turns Jennifer around to, to ask her if she's okay. And, he, and she's basically a monster. She's some kind of monster. And... Uh, and that story is really psychosexually weird. That's a strange, 
creepy story. And uh, so that's one of them. That's from like the mid seventies. Um, mm. And I see what else do I jot down? Um, Jennifer, yeah, I mentioned that. Uh, the no, eyes Bruce of the cat. Jones, is it? Yeah, have you seen the eyes of the cat? Eyes of the cat, no. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a strip about. It's by Alejandro Jodorowsky, and it's illustrated by Mobius. And um, right, and it's about a it's about a cat in a back alley and a bird. And I don't know how much to say about these things because I could spoil it. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But basically, the bird comes down and I think pursues the cat and then tears its eyes out and then flies with its eyes in its claws back to a tower where there's a blind child and it puts the eyes, somehow the eyes are given to the child and the child pops the eyes in its own, in his own head. And uh, right. so it's really dark and creepy and beautifully illustrated. That is crazy. Yeah, no, if you literally just Google it, yeah. <laughs> you can see most of the part. I mean, of course, yeah, it'd be it'd be great to actually um have the book, but yeah, like it is super creepy and weird. Very, very creepy and, <laughs> and very, very uh beautifully illustrated and Yes, yeah, the the detail is it's incredible. It's quite short, but so I, I decided to just go ahead and tell it through there because I realised that it's quite short and any way you yeah. come to it, you're going to probably figure out what's happening pretty fast. So I don't think I'm spoiling much. It's been around a long time too. So, but it's so wonderfully illustrated that the way the cat's drawn and everything, it's remarkable. It's a beautiful Pay piece of wild. work. Yeah, absolutely, fantastic, uh, brilliant. So, uh, moving on to my favourite question. Oh yes, and that is, what is your favourite cover? Ooh, um, well. Uh, my favourite cover series would probably be the ones Brian Bolland did for the American reprints for Judge Dredd um, because they were so fantastic. And he always gave you a glimpse into the story that, from his angle. So it's almost like you're seeing the story again af- afresh. And he always came up with good, mm-hmm. really, really fantastic covers for these stories that we've all, we'd all read, you know, um, in the UK, but the Americans hadn't really seen them. Mm. It was just a terrific set. And then there was the Titan uh, covers for Judge Dredd too. They were fantastic. Um, but I don't really have a, I don't have a favourite. The problem with me and favourites is I don't really have favourites, you know. And so I've got all these yeah. different things I like. Um, uh, let me see. Um, Blueberry, Lieutenant Blueberry. Always good yeah. covers. You know, they, you always feel like, you know, that Mobius really knew the West you know, the deserts mm-hmm. and stuff. But I'm not sure if he really did. I know he travelled to Mexico, but um, but I don't know the extent of his visit, visits to, you know, America. But the covers are always so kind of epic and, um, I don't know, romantic in a way. So, yeah, Blueberry, Lieutenant Blueberry covers are generally just great. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, um, there's some, some really good ones out there. Um, and clearly, I mean, he's got an eye for everything yeah. <laughs> that old Mobius has. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, I mean, he's the, he's the guy, you know, you just look at Mobius and yeah, you sort of despair because, you know, you know that, you know, it, it's, it's such facility in both science fiction and, and Western and anything he drew, you know, he could draw in different mm-hmm. ways and, 
and there never seemed to be there's nothing seemed to stop the guy you know he just he just it just sort of flowed out of him whereas i think most of us spend a lot of time just uh unable to put a step forward and uh with him it just seemed to just flow you know and um whether he was doing western or science fiction it was just unique and beautiful and balanced and generous so yeah so yeah i would i would pick one of them but i don't know which one i'd pick (laughs) (laughs) we can we 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 can give you a uh a folder there you go suppose i should be just picking one thing to take with me to the to the island to the non-zombie island (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll come on to that later. Um, but uh, moving on to another of my favourite questions, and that's what's the most meaningful comic to you? Ooh, um, meaningful comic. Yeah, Mouse. I guess Mouse. Um, mm. I don't read enough. I'm sure there's a lot of great stories out there now that are, you know, stories about um people's lives and whatnot. But I guess the most meaningful one is Mouse, particularly now. Uh, since you know January sixth, yeah, awful sh- clam jamfrey <laughs> in, uh, yeah, in DC right. that rampaged yeah. and, uh, yeah, and just yeah. the sort of general numb nutsiness of these guys and uh, their dumbing down, book burning crap. I think Mouse is the the book of the moment, right? Because yeah, it's not just because of what happened with this silly. Uh, stupid school board, but but in mm. general, the the danger of us forgetting or not knowing, yeah. and that's that wouldn't be the first time. About the not at all, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be the first time. I read that in the fifties, a lot of people didn't know about the Holocaust. Yep, uh, the, yeah, yeah. there was people who knew about it at the war during the war and after the war, and then it had kind of some somebody some group noticed that it was becoming less, people were less aware of it. And so they doubled down on trying to get it out there and, you know, make sure people were aware of it Um, because it can happen again. And I think Woody Allen was the one that said uh, um, the murder of 6 million Jews hadn't, wasn't what frightened him. It was that records were made to be broken. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a great thought, is yeah. it? It's like, and, uh, let's hope we never break that one. Yeah, <laughs> you never know. And um, yeah, so, it's totally possible, isn't it? So yeah, that would be the most meaningful one, absolutely. Um, yeah, because it's uh, not that long ago. No, it really isn't. Not in the grand scheme of things, it's it's a blink of an eye. We really. went um, when I first moved out here. My wife and I went out to went visited Poland, and we went to Auschwitz and. Uh, it's mm-hmm. very odd because it was a beautiful day and um, there was something like the Russians called puch and it's this, I don't know what it is, it's from a plant, but you get this kind of snow-like stuff in the air on summer's days, like blossoms or I don't know what it is. Um, mm. But it was a beautiful, beautiful day which seemed completely incongruous because we our images, the images of you know Auschwitz-Birkenau, are that it's bleak and winterous and dark and you know, but those people were in there on beautiful days, they're in there on blue sky days, you know the victims, and uh, yes. and um, 
you know, and and if you visit the museum, you see, uh, you know, just rooms full of shoes and rooms full of spectacles. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I think everybody should try and see that. Yeah. Absolutely, it really hits home when you when you visit things like that. I remember at school when we went to France mm-hmm. and visited all of the um, all of the graves, all of the, all the um, burials, yeah, all the war graves yeah. and things. It just you just think all of these people, you just see the fields of it. Yeah, um, really, really hits you hard. Like oh, the, the the number, <laughs> it's mind boggling. It's actually yeah. mind-boggling that people would um, would be sent to their deaths like that, and um, just incredible. I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know how it's not had more of an effect on war as it mm-hmm. as it transpired in the twentieth century. You know, why didn't those wars cause? Uh, cause people cause countries to 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 maybe work a bit harder maybe it did to work a bit harder avoid war yeah. i don't know yeah no it's difficult to know isn't it like would it have been worse like if, if that hadn't have happened or yeah i don't know um but uh either way um i mean I guess we we're in a better position now <laughs> than, yeah. than than back it's then. Strange. Let's hope it, hope the, the the overall trend <laughs> keeps continuing downward. <laughs> basically, less less death and destruction, please. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm going to have to get off the subject because I'll never get invited on another podcast if I keep talking. About <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> keep bringing it back. It's all right, all let's good, let's all start greeting. Get more. fantastic well let's let's move on uh to to our next question and that is what's the what's the most underrated comic oh um Uh, let me think about that um well i Give you kind of a cheeky answer when I when I when I wrote down my notes and that was um, <laughs> was the tragedy of Macbeth and MK yes. Ultra, which is those are my books, so that's kind of a cheeky answer. But uh, really, the uh, the MK Ultra thing is the underrated thing because it's not really about yeah. the book; it's about the story not being known by anybody. But um, totally. but that's that's kind of a those were kind of spurious answers. Um, in terms of global. Awareness. Um, Jean Claude Messier is known uh, very well in France and across Europe, but I don't think he's known very well in America. And I think the vast right. majority of Star Wars fans, um, well, I would say there's a great deal of Star Wars fans in America, and they've probably never heard of Messier. And um, and he's basically the uh, he's basically the impetus for a lot of what came became Star Wars. But he's uncredited. Yeah. Um, I understand that George Lucas ran a comic book store before he became a well-known director, mm-hmm. and um, so I think he was aware of Messier. And there's various images online that you can look up, and you'll see that some of the more famous images of Star Wars uh, were first drawn, basically, by 
SCA back in like 1971, you know? So yeah, I would say he's pretty underrated in terms of um, the amount of global knowledge about Star Wars and how little is known about Messier, who, by the way, just passed away two days or three days ago. And here I go again Didn't. with more cheery news. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Messier, well, yeah, mean... he was 82, I think, and passed away. Oh wow! wow. And uh, so not, he did. He did Valerian movies. and uh, Luke Besson. Yes, exactly. Yeah, did a movie yeah. of that. I don't know. People slated the movie as not being good, but I didn't see the film. I saw the visuals; looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Besson was a childhood fan of Messier's comics, and yeah. probably wanted to write the the wrongs of, you know, him sitting down and drawing all this fantastic stuff, and then it suddenly becoming Star Wars, and everyone knowing about Star Wars. But not knowing anything about him. Yeah. And we take it for granted, that stuff. You know, we take it for granted when someone's got a vision. You know, that's amazing what he saw. And uh, yeah, and he basically he basically created the idea of, you know, an old looking future. You know, when when a spaceship's all beaten up, it's like it's already been around for a long time. Because until then, if you saw futuristic vehicles in films and comic books, they were all those gleaming futuristic yeah, right. things. You know, it hadn't had any, yeah, okay. any dirt on them or anything. And he, he sort no. of came up with that, I think. Him and Mobius. Mobius was a friend of his. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's all about the French. They've got a great capacity for uh, imagination. Oh, absolutely. Um, they're they're, the, they're yeah. the visionary guys when it comes to science fiction. Um, yeah. I don't know if they're still in the lead, but if you look at the stuff they were doing before, it's just incredible. Yeah, you know? totally. Particularly back then. Um, and uh, yeah, no, you, you can kind of look up the the bits of like the the carbonite that yeah. Han Solo eventually yeah. ends up in. It's like, that is directly <laughs> from it's Valerian. Unbelievable. Um, as is, as is uh, Princess Leia's bikini. Absolutely. As well. Absolutely. And so and it's like literally, it's, it's just taken off the page. Absolutely. And even though the spaceships are like different shapes and stuff, they've got the very yeah. similar components. Yes. You know, one of the coolest yeah, yeah. things about the Millennium Falcon is that on one side of it, it's got this kind of exposed area. And you're sort of a circular area and you can see all these like bits and pieces and stuff. And uh, and there's one of those drones you'll find it online, and it's it's from a Valerian spaceship. It's the same kind of component, yeah. You know, and uh, it's a lifted wholesale. It's pretty incredible, pretty brazen, really. It is, and it's not it's not the first time that that sort of well, yeah, it, it happened later. Sorry, with uh, with uh, with Kimber. Oh, um, if you've heard about that, no, so, I haven't. I don't know what this. Um, Kimber the White Lion, uh-huh. right? If you look that up and then compare that to the Lion King. Oh God! Somebody did mention yeah. this the other day. That's I did hear about this. Yeah. Pretty incredible. That, that, that's even that's even more damning, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's pretty damning. Obviously, the Valerian and sure. and Star Wars and things, but um, then like Kimber the White Lion and the Lion King is just it's. Oh. Yeah, that's incredible. horrendous. Did you know um, that Harlan Ellison uh, basically the the film Terminator basically is lifted from Harlan Ellison? I've heard about this. Yeah, it's a great. You recent, watch him tell. You get, it on, you get it on YouTube. I can send it to you, Sam. It's oh, really, Please. really funny interview with Harlan Ellison about how he found out about Terminator. And um, 
yeah. You know, he he said he was on some sort of board for like you know, judging the Oscars or something, and so he right. would always get invite invited to things, but he didn't get invited to that one. <laughs> so he kind of <laughs> thought, like, what you know, and uh, five minutes into watching the film, he realized that this is just lifted from two of his oh, outer, that's outer <laughs> stories. Yeah. And then, so exactly. in the end, he got he got paid, compensated, and every Terminator film has his name on it now. Bingo. There yeah. you go. I didn't know, know that bit. That's cool. Yeah. At least there's a there's a little bit of justice there. Yeah, he won his he won his uh, lawsuit or whatever it was. But he said at the end it yes. was really funny because he said, you know, if he just said he wanted to use it, I just said go ahead. Yeah, exactly. This is it. <laughs> got my yeah. blessings. If you just ask, then it's not a problem. Yeah, pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it's wild, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's a uh, yeah. Now, um. Moving on to uh, people that have never read comics, what comic would you recommend to a friend who's never read comics? Well, I would recommend, uh, I guess if if they like science fiction, I would recommend Long Tomorrow by Dan O'Bannon and Mobius. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a great story and uh, great fun. But uh, depending on how serious or, you know, if they wanted something more serious, then I'd I'd recommend something maybe like Mouse or Persepolis. Uh, Dan Clowes is a a great uh, uh, storyteller and does these um, sort of wonderful stories about American life. And so I'd recommend pretty much anything by Dan Clowes for uh, for anyone who wanted to read about you know living in the, the states or whatever. In the last fifty years, uh, what else can I recommend? Um, that's about it, you know. Other than my own books, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all, all great starting points, and and that's the thing, isn't it? With yeah. for to tell people is that you know it's just a starting point because there's so much out there. That's right. Um, and uh, with my my regular listeners will know that I, I only got into comics about coming up six years ago now uh-huh. um so uh yeah it was that was through the walking dead oh yeah um, so having watching the the tv show finding out that it's a comic and then started reading that and then became an avid fan mm-hmm. of that um and then that started my journey that's great basically See, that's um a... and then just dive straight in <laughs> that's really good because it took you back to comics you know, exactly. I think yeah. you know the the one of the things that started bugging me the last few years is people saying, "Oh, it'd make a great yeah. movie. That would make a great movie." And I always think, yes. oh, it doesn't yeah. need to be a movie." You know, it's, it's no. already as fine maybe, as it is. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's only meant to be in that medium. Um yeah. And and totally. you know, the thing about comics that you don't get in film is that there's real engagement with the reader. The reader actually works with the artist and the storytellers to provide mm-hmm. an image between the panels animate it animate it in their mind whereas yeah. in film pictures are moving so fast you you're you're captive yeah but in in comics there's a little bit of give and take and mm-hmm. you see you see movement between the panels at least yeah. i think that way you know but um i agree but yeah the work the walking dead was a good series and you know they did a bernie wrightson homage in one of their episodes I did they? one one of the zombies is uh is modeled yeah. after a wrightson zombie and uh, it's a homage to the master, you know. Brilliant. 
Yeah, great Fantastic. series actually. Didn't I didn't know that. I'll have to try and look that up. Yeah, I quite like that. Yeah, show. no, it's a good series. Yeah. yeah, I watched it. And then did did that start with Charlie Adelard? Was it him that started it? Or... Oh, what the actual um, yeah, series itself? Pretty sure that was the name of the artist. He worked for. I think he worked for two thousand AD. For quite a few oh, Charlie years. Adlard, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it started off with Tony Moore. Oh, did it? Okay. Tony Moore did the first six issues, uh-huh. and then Charlie Adlard did the subsequent 100 and oh, what was it? 184. Where do they land? Oh my god! I think they stopped on like 184 or something like that. Oh my god! Can't remember the exact number. So what? 100. 178 issues. <laughs> well, you know, I, I wouldn't mind reading it myself because I thought the TV series was very yeah. good. I watched, I only watched yeah. a couple of seasons because I don't have a lot of time. But um, yes, yeah. And yeah. I also, I, I don't know if other people are like this, but you know, if you're making stuff, unless there's other people with you to watch something, I find it hard to do it. You know, because yeah. at some point I'll think I, I should be making my thing. I need to go and make my thing, yeah. so I'll go away and draw or whatever but but yeah i remember, watched that with the kids and i really liked it yeah yeah, yeah totally um yeah no, i mean so the obviously the, the actual comic series is, is come to an end and they're they're wrapping up oh. the the series now on the on series 10 i see um but uh yeah no if you if you can get hold of the compendiums it's fantastic yeah, um, I'll try and do that. The, the actual comic series. And did you follow it over to the West Coast? There was some West Coast spin-off series that they did. Yeah, um, there was. Um, so Fear the Walking Dead. Um, we watched the first couple of series of that, which I thought was actually, it was quite good actually in a way mm-hmm. <clears throat> to see it from that angle. And they did a couple of cool things uh-huh. um, where, because they were in LA, uh-huh. uh, they went to the coast actually. Uh-huh. Um and dealt with how it would work with boats oh, and God. things like that, which is quite good. So you're about to um, tell me you're about to tell me that my island isn't very safe. Oh no, it's it's safer than the mainland, hundred okay. percent. But you're quite you're quite right to have your combine harvester <laughs> because even though zombies can't swim, they can float. Oh, so they can they can they can wash up on the shore. Oh, so you should still have a perimeter fence, basically. Oh, I would. Um, around the beach, just in case. <laughs> I will. I'm going to put one up right now. Get on yeah, it. <laughs> I'm on it. I'm on it. Fantastic. Uh, now, uh, coming to our last question oh, in yes. regards to comics. Um, if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, which would it be? Oh well, that would have to be. Um, can I take the entire collection of Judge Dredd? <laughs> <laughs> we can fit it into one into one uh, one comic, yeah. One suitcase or something. <laughs> Why yeah. not? Yeah, that would be what I would take. Um, because it's just giving the me biggest so spine much. in the world. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's just giving me so much pleasure. So so much fun over the years. Um, you know, people think of it as I guess if they don't know it, they think it maybe one note, but it's very very funny and um, and it's a good roadmap for how to deal with the apocalypse. I think so. And have yeah, a laugh definitely. at the same time. Too so. right. <laughs> Brilliant. And then along alongside every single issue of Judge Dredd uh, combined into one book, uh, what weapon, tool or useful item would you like to take with you as well? Okay. Well, uh, my son, uh, he, uh, he used to, uh, one Christmas, he said he wanted a grappling hook, a skeleton key, 
and a chainsaw. And uh, wow, he was yeah, he was so young, but he didn't he, he wasn't even speaking properly at the time. And um, he, he mentioned he wanted an uh-uh, you know, and we didn't know what that was. So eventually, my wife figured it out. She said, "You mean a chainsaw?" <laughs> <laughs> and he, and yeah. he had a big smile on his face. Said, yeah, what a chainsaw? That's what I want. So yeah, a skeleton key, a chainsaw, and a grappling hook. I think my kid was onto something. So yeah, that's what I need. Definitely, that is fantastic. <laughs> um, that's a, that. What imagination is that? Oh, it's that's brilliant. Brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Well, happy to provide you with all of that. Um, and uh, Stuart Kenneth Moore, thank you so much for sharing your comics with the apocalypse. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, Sam. And uh, um, I better go get my combine harvester fi- fired up. Too right. Do do your perimeter check. Yeah, it's time. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Thanks again, Stuart. You take Thank care, you, mate. Thank you, Sam. Bye-bye. Thanks again. Sarah, bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Stuart for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Stuart's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.